past five years. And as time proceeded, the care became more and more intense and basically round the clock, right up until the day she passed into the Lord's presence. And then having to plan and work through some level of funeral service without being able to have family and friends gather together for the viewing or the funeral. And then add into it that it all happened during this time of the pandemic when we are quarantined to our homes. It all just created some levels of stress. I've talked to lots of people over these last weeks and You listen to the governor, you listen to the CDC, you listen to your own health department in your county, and just the level of stress that I hear in people's voices and what they're expressing with their words, even for believers, this has been a time with some major stressors. So today, what I'd like to talk to you about is how we can actually beat stress how we can actually battle this thing called stress, and what actually causes us to have some stress. Um, I believe that Jesus, the great physician, is the best one to help us with this. Um, The first cause of stress that I want to talk about today, and we'll probably look at a few more over these next weeks, but the first one I want to look at today is worry. And I know that some of you would say, you're wrong, Pastor. We worry because of stress. But I would suggest to you that worry actually exacerbates or amplifies your stress. It brings your stress levels up higher. Uh, If we're honest, we all tend to worry sometimes. In fact, probably some of us have some pet worries. And I want to just warn you. I want to put a label on this whole jar saying, let's not share our pet worries. Your pet worries aren't worse than or better than mine, and mine aren't worse than or better than yours. But in the midst of it all, we all have some things that we probably tend to worry about. Maybe for you it's finances. Maybe for you it's your job situation or relationships or your family or your children. Your health. All of these are different things that we can worry about at various times. And I want to suggest to you that there are three problems with worry. The first is, worry is just generally unhelpful. Worry doesn't resolve anything. It doesn't solve anything. It's kind of like stewing without doing. It's revving your engine until... It's smoking and it's loud, but you're going nowhere. I can remember uh, when I was a kid, one of my older cousins got married and his family thought it would be a great prank to chain his axle to some cement post, I think it was. He, of course, being young and happy and excited on his wedding day, when he and his bride got into the car, he revved the engine and he put it into gear and he revved it some more and then he let the clutch out and he took out. And to their shock, it yanked the axle right off the back of the car. Well, 
That's my recollection. I don't remember if it actually happened that way, but I think so. But I want to suggest to you, worries like that. It doesn't do anything positive. It's revving the engine with a lot of noise and smoke, but not going anywhere. It only, in fact, I would suggest worry doesn't change yesterday and it doesn't affect tomorrow. All it does is it ruins today. Worry is unhelpful. It's also unreasonable. It exaggerates your problems. Um, have you ever had like a sore in your mouth and you run your tongue around it and you feel it with your finger and it feels huge and you're sure there's a major problem, but when you have somebody else look at it, they can't even see anything. I want to suggest to you that worry is like that. It, it, it magnifies the problem bigger than what, it makes mountains out of molehills. Um, how many of you over these last weeks and months have convinced yourself that you have COVID-19? Uh, maybe you wake up with a sore throat and your wife has told you before that because of the temperature and the humidity, you need a humidifier in your bedroom. So it's not unusual for you to wake up with a sore throat, but now, and then later that day, you find that you're achy and you're more tired than usual. And by the end of the day, you are convinced you have the COVID-19 virus. And the more you worry about it, the more symptoms you have, the more problems you have. That's kind of what worry does. It takes a small thing and makes it bigger and bigger and bigger. Have you noticed that if you start researching something, number one, you find it all over the place. And number two, it seems like it becomes all-encompassing. It becomes overwhelming in nature. Worry is unhelpful, it's unreasonable, and it's unhealthy. Your body was never intended by God to worry, to fret, to be anxious. It's unnatural. When you worry, you tend to get ulcers, backaches, headaches, insomnia, all kinds of physical stuff happens in your body when you worry because God never intended for your body to worry. It's interesting that in all of God's creation, plants don't worry, animals don't worry. In fact, remember Jesus talked about, it. look at the lilies of the field. They don't worry about anything, but see how God clothes them. And he says, so why do you worry about clothing? We are not intended by God to worry. Worry actually comes from an old English word that means to strangle or to choke. To harass by tearing, biting, or snapping, especially at the throat. Have you ever felt like you're worrying, like you're almost choking? That's what it's talking about. It's to shake or pull at with teeth, to touch or disturb something repeatedly. And the word that's used actually pictures a dog snarling as it's holding onto a bone, whipping its head around, trying to get somewhere, but getting nowhere. That's the word worry. Worry's not natural. You weren't born worrying. You had to learn how to worry. But the wonderful thing is, just as you can learn how to worry, you can unlearn how to worry. And you can find peace that reigns in your heart. So what's the antidote? 
What's the antibiotic that God wants to give us from worry? I want to give you just three simple things today. First, believe that God will take care of you. Believe God will take care of you. Psalm 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If I believe that God is strong and God is able, He really loves me, He's more than able, then I find that my stress level and my need for worry goes way down because I believe God's got it. He's got this whole thing in His hands. He's able. We say, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, it's important to know what shepherds do. According to this same psalm, shepherds provide. He says, I shall not want. They provide food, shelter, the basic necessities for his sheep. He says, shepherds protect. Um, He talks about his rod and his staff. One of those is used to protect his sheep against the onslaught. Like David talked about defending his sheep against the bear and the lion. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am the door to the sheepfold. No one goes in or out without my say-so. So shepherds protect. Shepherds also guide. It says, He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He shows us where to go. Even from one meadow to another in order to get better food. <coughs> Excuse me. And shepherds correct. Rod and staff. One of them is used to keep the sheep in line. Not only to direct their paths, not only to protect them, but to actually correct them, to adjust their behavior and their attitudes. The amazing thing is that Psalm 23 makes it clear that God is our shepherd. And He's committed to all three, to provision, protection, guidance, and correction. Isaiah 40, verse 11 says, God takes care of His people like a shepherd. And then in Philippians 4.19, Paul gets even more specific when he says, My God will supply all your needs, all your needs, according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. It says God will meet all your needs. Not all of our greeds. Not all of our every wish. I know a lot of people, and again, I'm not judging, but people fill out this sweepstakes stuff here, and they do that. It's like, can't we trust God to take care of us and to provide all that we need. God isn't Santa Claus just lavishing, showering gifts on us all year long. He's not our butler there to serve our every whim. But He does say He will supply all our needs. He knows best what we need. And He will make sure that we have it when He knows we need it. This also means, because he makes this promise, that his character is on the line. He either does what he promises or he's a liar. And we know God is not a liar. He will provide all of our needs. So if you believe that God is a good shepherd, then you have to also believe that he will provide our needs. He will take care of us. He will protect us. He will lead and guide us. And yes, he will correct us. He will change us more and more into his image. You know, when you have an insurance policy, once you know what's covered in that policy, you stop worrying about it. In fact, I have car insurance. I trust that if you have a car and you're driving a car, you too have car insurance. But I have car and I have car insurance. But you know, I don't think about the car insurance only like maybe twice in a year. Maybe not even that. Once when the premium becomes due. 
then I think about my car insurance. Oh yeah, I have to pay my car insurance. Is it the best deal for me? But the second time, hopefully isn't even in the year, hopefully it's never, but if it happens, I want to make sure I have it, which is if I have an accident or I have some other kind of damage to my vehicle. I recently had a large uh, dump truck kick up a stone or something like that, and it hit my windshield and it caused a crack. Do you know, I didn't worry one second about it because I knew I had insurance coverage. I knew I had coverage that would take care of that problem. Well, if God is your shepherd, not only is worry unhelpful, unreasonable, and unhealthy, it's unnecessary because God has it. So the first thing we have to do is we have to remember we can call out to God for help. He is our shepherd. But the second thing we have to ask ourselves is, how do I make God my shepherd? How does God become my shepherd? Did you know that God isn't everyone's shepherd? He's only the shepherd of those who let Him be their shepherd. And how does that happen? Number one, you have to accept Christ as your Lord. Remember what the psalm says? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord can't be your shepherd unless the shepherd is your Lord. So the issue that we have to start with, if we want God to be our good shepherd who takes care of all of those things I've talked about, the first thing that has to happen is He has to be our Lord. Lord means to be in control. Today we might use terms like boss or chairman or CEO or manager or something like that. But what it literally means is someone who's in control, someone who's in charge, someone who has authority. And my question to you this morning is, is the Good Shepherd your Lord? Is He in charge of your life? Is He in control of your life? Is He the one who makes the calls for your life? Jesus Christ is Lord only if you're willing and releasing Him to make those calls. And if He's not, then He's not your Lord and He's not your shepherd. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. To accept Jesus as Lord means three things according to John 10. Jesus said, I am the Good Shepherd and my sheep know me, they know my voice, and they follow me. So, in order for Jesus to be the Lord, it means you know Jesus in an ever-increasing way. You listen to Jesus. You don't just listen to Him by hearing His Word or anything like that. You actually listen and then apply His Word. You follow Him. You put Him in control. You do what He tells you to do because you really hear His voice. And hearing His voice could be reading the Bible, listening to preaching just like this, or hearing that still small voice in your heart. All of the stuff that we worry about, job and finances, health, our kids' health, our well-being, our future, all of that stuff, all the normal concerns of life, ultimately the real issue comes down to who is in control. It comes down to control and fear. The root behind all worry, I believe, is fear. It's, can I manage all of this? My wife used to use the illustration of keeping balloons in the air, but what I think about is, in the old days, we used to watch Johnny Carson, and he would bring on this guy every year, and he would have these dowels that he would put on the 
floor. And then he would start spinning plates. And his job was to get as many plates spinning and balanced as possible. And I feel like that's the heart of worry. Trying to keep everything under your control. It is born out of fear. What if something drops? What if I can't control everything? What if God doesn't do what He said? So it's born out of fear and trying to control. Whenever you're trying to control the uncontrollable, your kids are like, well, my kids are all married. I'm not in control anymore. You can still worry about your kids even if they're married. You worry about your grandkids now. You worry about the U.S., the economy, and the government. What's going on? You worry about COVID-19. I don't think there's ever been anything in my lifetime that has so impacted the whole world. There's so many things you can worry about. Worry, though, is like a warning light. Uh, It's like when I was a kid, there was a show on called Lost in Space, and they had a robot that would say, Danger! Will Robinson, danger! That's kind of like what worry does. It's like the the red light on your dash flashing saying there's something wrong when you begin to worry. If you're worrying, something ought to go off inside of you. You say, wait a minute. God says be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. I want to also remind you, there's a a well-known cliche that's out there. People put it on their bumpers. They put it uh, uh, in plaques. And it says this, God is my co-pilot. And I want to suggest to you, God's not into this co-pilot thing at all. He is either the pilot, or He doesn't even get in your car. God either is in control. He is either the Lord, or He's not your Savior at all. He's not your shepherd. Most of the things in your life, big or small, you can't control. So if you're trying to control them yourself, you have every reason to worry and be afraid. But if God is running your life and He's your Lord and your shepherd, you have no need to worry. The Lord is my shepherd. The second thing we're to do, we accept Jesus as our Lord, as our shepherd. The second thing we're to do is to begin praying about everything. Pray about all the stuff you usually worry about. Instead of worrying, instead of Uh, growing up on the farm, our statement would be, instead of chewing the cut of stuff you can't control anyways, instead of worrying, how about you actually pray about that stuff? Pray about the stuff you normally worry about. In fact, if you have time to worry about it, you for sure have time to pray about it. And maybe if you pray about it, you wouldn't need to worry about it as much. Prayer changes things. Worry changes nothing other than your physical well-being. It makes you sick at heart. Prayer changes things. First of all, prayer changes us. When we go to God in prayer, it gives God the opportunity to actually work some things into our heart. But then, He not only deals with us, God then has the ability to actually deal with the situation and do what He knows is best for us and for His world. Worry changes, and I couldn't think of another phrase, somebody will help me, but worry changes our stinking thinking, and it also changes our situation around us. When I worry, I have two options. I can either panic, or I can pray. And my exhortation to you today is, let's take more time and pray. That's what Paul tells us in Philippians 4.6. He says, don't worry about anything. 
Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. And did you notice, by the way, the two superlatives that were there? He says, don't worry about anything. And then he says, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Don't just pray about spiritual things. I think some people, when they pray, and maybe you're like me, you've been in church long enough, you've seen and heard this. I've heard people who are just normal folks like you and I get up to pray and their voice tenor changes and the way they pray, it's almost like old King James English and they pray about all these spiritual things. They can't even pray about the offering normal, but they've got to get all spiritual. I, I don't know that God's impressed with our spirituality. I think what He's impressed with is when we bring the real issues of our heart and life to Him and bring them to Him. I believe that God's ability is greater than our fear and our anxiety. Peter tells us, cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. To cast means literally to unload or to drop. And it pictures two things in my mind. It pictures this big dump truck coming back and dumping a load. He says, unload it right there. And then the second thing I think of is it's almost like take that worry and put it in the hands of Jesus and then back away. Just leave it there. Drop it there. Our problem is that when we read that verse, cast all your cares, we think about it as a fishing term where we cast our line up and then we reel it right back in. We give it to God and then we take it back. He says, no, drop it all right there at His feet. Cast all your cares on Him. The third thing we're to do if you want to deal with worry, is fully live one day at a time. Matthew 6.34 says, Don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. When you worry, you don't do anything about yesterday and you certainly don't help tomorrow. All you do is you make today worse. You make what you're experiencing right now worse. Yes, at times, life can seem overwhelming, which is why God does this amazing thing whereby He puts our lives into tiny bite-sized increments called 24-hour days. And He says, live one day at a time. Live every single day for Him. Trusting Him that He is your Lord and your Shepherd. Overcoming worry is a day-by-day choice. There's no pill that you can take that will help you to stop worrying. There's no podcast, no seminar, no book that you can read, no one major aha moment. It is a day-by-day fight. Even when God meets with you, I have a dear friend who used to battle anxiety attacks, panic attacks all the time. And then God came and met with her over a period of time. But I can guarantee you there are still times when that anxiety, that panic tries to creep up on her. It's a day-by-day battle and choice to trust God with your life. It's being able to say, sometimes not even day by day, sometimes it's hour by hour, moment by moment, being able to say, I'm going to believe that the Lord is my good shepherd and that He will take care of me and He can take care of this situation. And because He is my Lord and I trust Him, I don't have to worry and fret about it anymore because I know He's calling the shots in my life. My exhortation to you today is, 
Worry takes all of the normal stressors that come into a life. I think this COVID-19 thing is a stressor. But worry amplifies it. It, it. it makes it bigger than what it needs to be in our lives. I have found during this time there are all kinds of people, and I've said to people again and again, and I don't mean this in a demeaning way. I honestly don't, nor do I mean it in a braggadocious way. But I honestly haven't been worried about this at all. I feel like God's got this. And amazingly, God has the whole world in a place where they can either turn to Him or not. Because the whole world is being impacted by this. Now, I recognize others would say, I'm not worried, I'm concerned, and I honor that. But I think some people are worried, which makes this whole situation far worse. But if the Lord is our shepherd, if we trust Him, we don't have to worry as much. Wilbur Chapman was a a well-known old saint who's gone home to be with the Lord now, but he was asked one day to go to the uh, bedside of a 10-year-old boy who was dying of cancer, who was struggling with fear. He was worrying about dying. And Wilbur Chapman went to his bedside, sat with him, talked with him for a while, and the little boy shared his fear and his worry. And so Wilbur opened the little boy's Bible to Psalm 23. And he says, I want you to read this first verse. And the little boy read it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He says, no, read read that first line again. The Lord is my shepherd. He says, now take your finger, take your index finger and point it. Hold it right there and read it again. The Lord is my shepherd. He says, now I want you to think about this. Your finger has touched the shepherd. And every time you're tempted to worry, to be afraid. I want you to grab hold of that finger and remember the Lord is my shepherd has been touched by me. Sometime later, Wilbur Chapman heard that this little boy had died. And when his mother found him, she found him lying in his bed holding his finger. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't know what you're worried and stressed about today. But I do know this. God loves you. He cares about the stressors around you. And He can help you. It starts with, the Lord is my shepherd. Is Jesus your Lord today? I don't mean, have you asked Him into your heart? Have you prayed the sinner's prayer? I don't mean that. I mean, is He the Lord of your life? Is He in charge in your life? Of every area of your life. Not just the spiritual stuff. Not just when you... Come to church. Is Jesus your Lord every moment of every day? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Not might be, not could be, not would be. He is your shepherd if He's your Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Is Jesus your shepherd today? I want you to just take a moment and be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. I know it's easy to fall into the trap of coming to church. Maybe not so much lately, but in the past. And it will be again soon. Grateful for our New York State governor's opening of the door for churches now, at least at a certain percentage, and anticipating that will increase. So churches around our area are opening up. But it's easy to come to church. It's easy to throw a little bit of money in the plate. 
it's easy to think and act like a believer. But my question is, and I, I've stopped asking people anymore if you believe in Jesus because the scripture says even the demons believe in him. I've started asking people, are you a Jesus follower? And that's my question for you today. If you want worry to go down and stress level to be lowered, then we have to have the Lord as our shepherd. So I want to pray for you today. And I want you to invite the Lord into your heart, but make Him the Lord of your whole life. Not just the spiritual elements, not just the church elements, but your whole life. Would you join with me in prayer? Father, I can remember um, back in December of 1975 when I asked you into my heart. I had done it many times previous. I can remember at Italy Naples Baptist Church with Reverend Glenn Bloom, who I will always love, cherish, and honor for the investment that he made in my life and so many others. But I can remember him never finishing a service without an invitation for people to come and to accept Christ. And I had done it many times. But I can remember that December in 1975 when I made a commitment that I was going to be a Christ follower for the rest of my life. And yes, there have been many times since when I have recommitted myself to that, when I have gone deeper in the things of God, but it started right there, December 1975. I was with my brother-in-law, David Reynolds, and we made that commitment. We're going to follow Jesus. And Lord, there are some here today who are watching and listening to me who want to make you the Lord of their lives so that you can be their good shepherd. And so with them, we freshly invite you in. Yes, we ask for your forgiveness of sins. Lord, all of us are sinners. Your word's clear. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the way in which we deal with our sin is whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Lord, with them, we, your people, invite Christ afresh into our hearts. And we say, be the Lord of our lives. Make it real to them. Let them feel your presence right there at their home today. And then, Lord, I'm asking you to cause worry to dissipate. Let it be like water that has built up. And then open the drain. Let it just flow right out so that we don't need to live our lives fretting and worrying and anxious, panicking about things. We can walk in trust because the Lord is my shepherd. And I shall not want. I'm not going to want for anything that you know I need because you have put your name and your character on the line. Thank you, Father, for the freedom to be able to walk in confidence knowing that in life and in death, you're still the Lord and you hold my life in your hands. And that's true for every single one for whom they can say the Lord is my shepherd. Let your grace flow into their lives 
both now and throughout this entire time. And let not COVID-19 or the government or anything else become bigger than you. And don't let us in any way ever try to play God when you alone are God. We can't control it. Only you can. We trust you, Jesus. You're able and you're good. In the name of Christ, amen. God bless you and have a great rest of your sunny day.